can a powerhouse woman under pressure tune into her pleasure? Can you be sharp in the boardroom and soft in the bedroom? Welcome to the Leader and Lover podcast. I'm your host, Cherise Spigner. We will take a journey and explore all aspects of Black women and having it all. We'll talk about relationship, career, status, religion, spirituality, love, and sex, all the things that contribute to the total us. So please join us as we take the journey on the Leader and Lover podcast, because girl, you definitely can have it all. All right, ladies, this is Cherie Spigner, your host for the Leader and Lover podcast, and I am so excited to have our guest today. As I promised you, we were going to have some powerhouse women talking about their version of having it all. And today we have Sharon Washington, a really dear friend of mine, and she's going to be talking about her thoughts around having it all, what her journey has been, and I hope some of her words of wisdom will be of benefit to some of you out there. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us today on the Leader and Lover podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here to talk about, in fact, I talked today on Clubhouse about having it all. Oh, wow. From a brand standpoint. So this works perfectly. Awesome. 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 So everyone has heard your illustrious bio, but let's get right into the meat of the conversation. So that one question that I ask all guests is, what does having it all mean to you? So what that means for me is I'm always in a simplistic kind of straight mode and it's happiness. Happiness for me is having it all. Most likely if my family's happy, we're content and I'm probably fed. Then that's a day of having it all. I look at my life and especially the, the trajectory of it. And I am very grateful because I am actually able to do all the things I want to do. So I have a support system from a spouse who is amazing. At first, it was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I want to be an entrepreneur. How's that going to work? It was a little rocky at first, but he is super supportive of me capturing all pieces of me. Happiness is about that, being able to showcase me 360. Mm -hmm. So like good times, bad times, Mm -hmm. and be authentic. And it's important for me to show up that way to any audience. I don't care what it is so that I can live in my authenticity and my integrity. So I would say happiness. And for me, happiness changes with the day. As long as my family is happy, that's complete happiness. But happiness professionally, happiness with my family, and like I said, if I'm fed very well. We will get to the cookbook later, so (laughs) hold that thought. (laughs) And I love your word choice, authenticity. That seems to be a running theme for a lot of the guests. So we'll come back to that. But let me go to the next questions. In your opinion, what are the misconceptions of having it all? What do you think people think it is and it's not? I think for women... It's tricky. So I think having it all sometimes is married. I have kids. I have a career that's making X amount of money. And depending on what circle you're in, X amount of money could be, I guess, ideally six figures is is the mark, right? I think that's a misconception because for me, money doesn't necessarily complete me. It doesn't provide me all. Now, yes, I like nice things. I like clothes. 
I want to be able to take care of my family. However, it's not a completion of who I am. And so I think sometimes we get caught up in what society says this is all for a woman, especially. I know that I have some single friends who are 50 and over, and some of them don't feel complete. They're like, I'm missing something because I'm lacking the spouse. But there hasn't been someone that's come up that's been someone that they can connect with, and not just financially, but spiritually, emotionally, things like that. But I think that it's possible that when you have these misconceptions that you lose yourself. And so it's unfortunate, very unfortunate that we as women suffer from that. Because I don't know, I have guy friends too, Cherie, and I don't know any guy friends like, dang, I, I'm missing out because I don't have a wife over 50. I, I, I don't know many of them, but I feel like part of the misconception is to have it all means that you have to be complete with a spouse too. Interesting you say that on a couple of fronts. So one, my fiance and I were having a very similar conversation today because I tend to say that I am complete with right. or without him. Now I love him to death and right. definitely has added so much to me. However, I am complete with or without, because I think what happens is if we're not complete, then we'll come into relationship and not always get what we deserve. Exactly. We'll manifest or attract the wrong person. Right. So I think the more complete we are, we're just satisfied with ourselves. Right. And a spouse just compliments us. The other piece on men versus women, this is exactly why I have this podcast. Because I think the expectations for women are very different than those of men. As we know, they can have several partners and not be looked at negatively. They can be older and no one's asking them, when are you having kids? This double standard is very apparent. And so it's interesting that you made that distinction of how your 50-year-old female friends feel versus your 50-year-old male friends. And they, they don't have that issue at and. I have a spouse. It's interesting when we have the conversations with my single friends because they're like, you're already married. Yeah, but we're a hundred and a hundred, not 50 and 50. We just add our added bonuses to each other's lives. Yes. My 50, 50 is a hundred and a hundred. I come complete. He comes complete. Absolutely. That's how we can have our all because we're already complete. Yeah. And that's definitely my philosophy. I feel like we were both complete. If we'd met each other at different times where one or both of us weren't complete, we wouldn't have such a beautiful union. Absolutely. Me and my husband have been together. Our 10-year marriage anniversary is February, but we've been together 18 years. Mm -hmm. And I love to watch that passionate spark between couples, especially in the beginning, because it is so amazing. I tell my husband all the time, let's do, let's hold Let's do that. And he's like, yeah, we, I did that. You have to. You've been living over at my house. I promise. <laughs> you promise me you're gonna still hit my butt in 20 years. Yes, yes, that's having it all. Please, like, just tell me I'm cute here and there. Like when we grow old together, it's amazing to watch. And the other piece about the six figures, because I agree with that too. I was having a conversation with another girlfriend of mine that I interviewed, and we talked about. When I was younger and I had my two children and I was a single parent, my ex-husband and I had broken up and 
I thought having it all was climbing the corporate ladder, making a certain amount of money. I wanted my kids to be in private school. So all the things, but I wasn't necessarily fulfilled in my job. I was just doing it to have the things. And now that I've shifted, I think I've evolved. And to your point, like that whole having it all means something different every day. But for me, having it all means being passionate about my space that I work in. I got to go there every day. I need to be passionate about it. And I've been fortunate to be compensated handsomely yes. um, for it. Yes. But it's work that feels so good to me that I know the money will come. Right. So even that has shifted. And I don't even think about like how much money I make in that way. It's right. just right. more for me to make impact. And do the things that I like, of course. I like a nice lifestyle, but it's less to do with me thinking I need to be at a certain thing to have the things to look like I have it all. Exactly. Yeah. I understand that totally. When I talk to people, they're like, yeah, you have it all. And I'm thinking, man, right? Do I? And so, which which prompted me to post the other day, your regular is somebody's exemplary. I'm like... Yeah, I still got a ways to go. And this woman, she was just, and I was humbled by that. Like she was, oh my God, like I followed you in your exercise routine and I followed you before. It's been years and having that compliment to helping people. It actually keeps me going, to be honest with you. Some days I want to quit, quit exercise. I want to, like I told you, I'm, I like to eat. I want- <laughs> Want to eat a chocolate cake? Yesterday, I wanted a chocolate cake from Cheesecake Factory. Blackout cake so bad. But <laughs> it's having a good circle that can keep you whole so that I can have it all, health right. included. So let's get in for the listeners to just understand what your journey is. What was your path or your journey to getting to a place of having it all? Hills, mountains, valleys. I probably fell into a few caves. I was there for a little while and had to spend time with myself. No, it's a journey. So here's one thing that I have accepted going into 50, right? Moving into older age, I should say. I don't feel old, but just moving past into another, I feel like, journey of my life. I'm a mature woman. More mature. Thank you. I was looking for the words. I can't find them. There they are. It's mature. So for me, I think it's more about embracing the journey. So we say that. People say that all the time. Like, embrace, love the process. Embrace the process. No, I really mean embrace the process to know that when you fall down or you fall into a hole or you cave and you feel you can't move forward or you don't want to move forward. Oh my God, I feel so overwhelmed. Just know that this is part of the process all the time. So when I fall, I go, you know what? I just got to figure out. My mind is solution-based. It's not, I fail, forget it. It's what's next? How do I get up? Let me assess the damage, things like that. So my journey started with, I want to say, I always talk about when I first began as an entrepreneur, but I want to say even before that, when I met my best friend, Danica, I was not living authentically. I was not living with integrity. And I was young with my son when I met, I think my son was like three or four when I met her. And she asked me a question and I was dating and I was just crazy. And she asked me a question about who I was. She's like, 
are you really like this? Not in a judgmental way. We were having a conversation. And she was like, do you not care? Like, I would always say, I don't care what people think. I don't care about this. I don't care. I just wouldn't own things. And I wasn't accountable. And I wasn't accountable for my actions or anything like that. And she had a really deep-hearted conversation with me. To then, the result of that was that I was enough. We had to be, I don't know, if I was 24, she was 22. Oh, wow. So we had to be like really young for her to be that intuitive to see that I was faking it till I made it and that I needed to figure out who I was and be who I am. Forget about all of you. At that young of an age. Like, so my journey started right there. And then I went back to school. I got my master's. And I became a professor. So around, I'm say around 06, I started to be an entrepreneur. And it took me a while. I'm going to really be honest with your audience. It may have taken me maybe 10 years ago to realize what having it all meant for me. Mm-hmm. In that, not necessarily floundering, but I was still doing what I thought other people wanted me to do, but as Sharon. So I go, okay, you're going to accept me for me. But wait, I was still thinking, wait a minute. They want me to be like this. I need to, for example, with me speaking, I needed to speak a certain way to get the bigger gigs. I need to have substance in this way. I was starting to connect with people who were really high in the tier in corporate places. And I felt like I had to change my vernacular, the way I looked, what I drove, all of that to represent having it all to be accepted. When I was already accepted, we didn't care about that. So I think it wasn't until about 10 years ago that I just realized, and I don't know what clicked, probably my mentor saying, again, reiterating, so funny, the two Sagittarius, I talk about Zodiac signs all the time, but Karima told me, she was like, you are enough. You can speak, you can be just as you are, like a little slang funny if you want to. I don't care what the audience is, but you need to embrace yourself so you can be comfortable. And after that, I rolled with it. Oh, someone gave me permission to do it. And they shouldn't have, but they did. And now I don't need permission. I just go with it. Wow. That is a really interesting story, a really interesting evolution. And I'm glad you shared that. It's so interesting how so many things that we're talking about have weaved into, you know, my space recently. I was telling you that I was recording some solo episodes and the topic today was around career. Okay. It is how we show up in the workplace. And to your point, abandoning my African-American vernacular. Yes. Or code switching to an extent, assimilating, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not telling people that I saw Tupac this weekend because I don't, <laughs> you know, or not feeling like I can participate in the conversation because you were at your family's vacation home and I yes. would have that. So maybe not feeling to your point enough. And my experience was that I was going to be maligned or discriminated against or made to feel small, like no matter what I did. So why not embrace my authentic self? And it seems like when I did that, stop straightening my hair to go on the job interview Mm -hmm. or stop over articulating or, you know, (laughs) just stop at that. Just like bringing my real self certain level of, I guess they call it proper speech that I may have just naturally, but I was just over the top, just making sure, making sure they knew I didn't grow up in the project. Okay. 
I didn't want to share that story. Like, I would skip that story. But I'm public school from elementary school through high school. Public school taught. And I'm proud of that. And what I found once I stepped in the room as my authentic self, you're going to always have people who are intimidated by us and our strength and our power. And we shine that light. And I think that it exposes any lack of confidence or esteem in the room. However, bringing my authentic self, my career has accelerated. Yes. I've done that. I've been promoted consistently. And when I've taken over new territories or new teams or had to deal with new health systems, that person's going to be difficult. That surgeon is difficult. They're a jerk. That hospital administration is tough. I haven't had that problem at all. Right. I go in there and I've been able to really make impact. And I think it's because we as African-American women, we're naturally nurturing. I think there's a comfort that people can feel with us, but they're not expecting us, at least for me in my space, because it is such a white male dominated space. They're not usually ready for me to walk into the door. <laughs> so, no, yeah. Probably, it, oh, oh, right. Okay. It, it takes them back a little bit in that, in my opinion, always gives me a very strong position. I really want, and I'm so appreciative of you sharing that piece of your story because what I want to emphasize is it is okay for us to bring ourselves in every space that we occupy. Every piece of it. Every and piece I know for so long we have been criticized and we have been called difficult and bitter and all those negative things, but that's somebody else's perception. That's not who we are. All we have to do is worry about ourselves and who we are and that's bring it. That. That's it. And you don't have to bring. So for me, bringing myself, my authentic self, did not include the negative stereotypes of what a black woman is. And I didn't carry those. If I got angry, anger needs to be handled. So I need to communicate well. So I wasn't going to go in. And I know sometimes I don't want to necessarily say use the excuse, but I don't want to go in there as angry black woman. But I also am not going to shrink for anyone. Being in corporate America, that I had the most problems with men. So communication problems, that is, mm-hmm. with men. And it is possibly, I was brought up in a home with uh, my grandparents, both my grandparents and my mom. We did, we all did the whole satellite family, lived in the house at one time. And I had a father figure. My grandfather had a father figure, but matriarchs were very present. So the women were very strong. And I think I just shunned that. Ain't no man going to tell me what to do. And it, and it showed up in the workplace. I had to learn myself. So if anything, I could impart that I don't care how old you are. Make sure you understand yourself and what you are actually outputting to then receive. Woo, preach. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, understand. Look at your blind spots. The pieces that you don't know about yourself. Be willing to hear. Because not only does that, in my opinion, not only does that show up in the workplace, but it shows up in relationship. And so that's where we're going to segue to next. So as (laughs) having it all, you mentioned your family. Yes. Now I know you're still a professor, right? Because I know you're still a professor. Yes. Yes. I'm still a professor. And I met you through Blue, your platform and your program for executive women. And I also know that you have written a book and you now have a cookbook and (laughs) speaking. So how do you balance all of that and then still 
make sure you have romantic time with your husband and balance with your family and then time for your sister circle. So what's important to me is synergy. I never speak in balance for me because for me, balance doesn't exist. It's all, everything has to go in tune because what happens is sometimes I'm spending 10% of the time with my husband. By the way, me and my husband's relationship, again, I I go back to that hundred, hundred. He is so very confident that we're in each other's space because he's an entrepreneur too, that we don't require much of, and that we require some time, but not much of it. We can be in each other's space and he can be watching TV and I'm working and that's fine for us. We don't have to talk, we don't even have to touch, but we're in each other's space. So what I like about specifically my life and making sure there's synergy in it is that when there's deficiencies, I'm able to handle it. So if my husband is feeling lonely and that rarely happens, I'm not going to say it's never happened, but in 18 years, it's rarely happened then I know that, okay, I have to shift my time with him. I want everything for myself. I want to experience everything I possibly can. And I'm going to be honest with you. I used to burn myself out. I realized by managing my time, I can do everything in eight hours, eight to 12 hours, 12 hours at best. I wake up at 425 and I go exercise at 6 a.m. And I'm able to cook dinner at six o'clock, wind down and go to bed at 10 and not think about work. What I would suggest to everyone, you're going to have to work through your schedule and figure out how you can do it all, but not have anxiety about not completing it all. Because Mm -hmm. the anxiety comes into you stay up long nights or you don't get much sleep or your nutrition is failing or you haven't got any exercise Because you're putting priorities on, say, that professional piece. For me, I schedule things out. I'm still a professor. I also am a faculty member for Goldman Sachs. I also run a business. And now I have a new lifestyle brain. So I make sure I manage (laughs) as many hours in the day. I would say start to schedule yourself a 40-hour week if you're an entrepreneur. 40 hours a week. Figure out how much work you're going to do in that week, how much exercise you're going to do in that 40 hours, and how much resting you're going to do in that after the 40 hours. Or maybe I would even say 50 hours a week because you can account for two hours a day for family time or cooking or whatever you're going to do. Because I do feel that kind of downtime is important, but more so I feel like your self-care mentally is more important. I didn't used to care about that. I was like, I'm working. I used to stay up all night. I used to sleep on my office. My husband hated it. That party hated it. I used to sleep in my office floor. Mm. So that I could be close to the computer to get up. I'd take short naps. I could get up to do work. That is so not healthy. No one should do that. No. And so I had to find a time for me to balance synergy to make me happy. If it doesn't make me happy, if I don't get it done, of course, I'm not slacking or lacking. I have deadlines and things like that for clients, but I don't cry about it. I go, what? If I need to talk to my client, I need another 10 hours. I'll have it to you tomorrow by noon. But I try not to have too much anxiety and stress about pushing myself professionally. You have a healthy perspective on it all. Yeah, I try to. It's still a work in progress, 
But mm-hmm. I know that I get more sleep now. And getting more sleep helps me to be very vibrant. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm, I'm alert. And I don't have to have like coffee. I'm diabetic. So part of this journey is my health journey too. I'm diabetic and I had to make time to, I just recently lost 30, not recently, about 18 months, about 30 pounds. Yes. And you look amazing with all your lifestyle brand. (laughs) I'm just so happy that we crossed each other's paths. Me too. And I was talking to my girlfriend about this too, because she's relocated. We both are native Californians and thought we'd be there our whole lives. And we both have transplanted and we just talk about the amazing connections that we've made now that we're in our new spaces away from home. And when I look at um, not only my foundation of women from California, but when I look at the women that I've cultivated relationships here on the East Coast, I just am amazed at how amazing they are. And I feel fortunate. I'd like to think that that has a little bit to do with myself and my energy. I was just, for me, I see Christine, you're so regal. You're so well put together. Like uh-huh. I admire you tons. And that sincerely from the bottom of my heart. I'm like, oh, I want to be a part of your network. Forget about getting you in mine. I want to be in yours. That's so sweet. No, thank you. And that's a good segue. There's definitely a perception out there. And I've even heard Black women speak to this, that they don't have good relationships with other women. Mm -hmm. And there's some distrust. And just to use that phrase, cattiness. I personally haven't had those experiences at any length. I have had relationships come and go. And I've had people fall out of my life for a myriad of reasons. but. For the most part, I have really strong foundational friendships. I have really good sister circles that are supporting me and rooting for me. And I just wanted to get your take on that and understand your experience. I know you are super supportive of women. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to have a little bit of conversation around that to illustrate to our listeners that does exist within our communities. It does. And to be honest, I come from a household where my grandmother used to say, don't trust women. Mm-hmm. My grandmother like, did too. I don't have many women friends because you can never trust a woman around your man. Your thing. <laughs> Isn't that interesting how deeply cultural some things are in our space? Mm-hmm. Yeah. because My grandmother was just like that too. She didn't trust anyone outside of our immediate family. That's it. Maybe not even some of them. Oh, trust me, my grandpa, her husband had five brothers and a sister, and there were just two of his (laughs) brothers that she liked and didn't like the sister. So, yes. (laughs) That's about right. It surprised me. And I went to Trinity, which was an all women, predominantly women school. I teach there Mm -hmm. now, but predominantly women. There has men now. But when I went there, it was women. And so... When I first experienced this, which was in my late 20s, I went back to school after my son. When I experienced this going to Trinity, I was like, yeah, I'm not talking to these little girls. A, they were young. They were younger than me. They might have been like, I don't know, six, seven years younger than me. I had already been inbred or built, taught that you shouldn't trust women. So when I first went to Trinity, my first semester, I was like, no, thank you. By my second semester, I was all in. Mm. Became mm. a feminist. Mm. Would tell people all the time, and I do that. I live by this all the time. I'm very trusting and forgiving of people because we're flawed. That's how I see it. 
Yeah. And so when people are like, yeah, women are this, women are this, people are that. I have men friends who do That's the true. same gossiping. And maybe it's not looked at as gossiping because it's men. Maybe it's not categorized in that, but oh, it's gossiping that you peg. So it's people and their nuances and not necessarily a gender. So for me, this is how Blue came about. I wanted to build something that was true to what I thought about women. And that's really that we could do so much more together. And when I was coming up building my business, like that was even worse because there was nobody wanting to help. So you you got the guys who had the boys club, we don't know. And then you have women that where society has now built up this cattiness, like you said, where the spirited competitiveness mm-hmm. against one another for whatever you look like or whatever you're trying to do. And as I'm assertive, right? Like I'm like, hey, and I genuinely want to meet you. But when I first started to go into networking with women, I would get, what do you want? Why are you here? Well, are we networking? Networking ended up in this place where now with Blue, I created a group where women and hopefully expand it, birds of a feather flock together. So you attract the people that you want. And I started to attract people like yourself mm-hmm. who really want to meet other people, other women, and really truly want to help without saying, you owe me a favor. You owe me. Here I am now. I feel the same way. Post-COVID, pre-COVID, I'm still pro-women. I just got, <laughs> this is funny. Earlier, I'm looking for topics to speak about or clubhouse. And one of my guy friends said, equal rights, talk about equal rights for men. I was (laughs) like, I'm not even, I ain't even going there. Because they know how deeply rooted I am into building the women up. But I get pregnant like I'm sexist, reverse sexism. Okay. They've definitely had their good old boy network for a while. However, I'm in a lot of women's groups. So like we're connected. Right. Um, been another, a few other women's groups, empowerment and entrepreneur groups. And I don't know if I'm not in the right space, but I don't, at least in the social media platforms, find as much support for men as I see and observe you with women. So maybe holistically that tide has shifted again to speak to like feminism and people understanding that women support women. And once people buy in, I think that there is a lot of support. But it would be interesting to see kind of a male's blue group, if you will, and what and how that can evolve, because I want that for my baby. I do. I want a you for him. (laughs) (laughs) I try to do, because I do have other male friends who want to mingle, I try to create a space where we all could do that. But a few of my women, my married women were concerned that they didn't want other women to flirt with their husband. Like it was, it it is... (laughs) It's not ridiculous. You know, I have to stop. I always have to stop myself going, stop saying this is ridiculous. But for me, I go, what? I'm not even, if my husband came to this, I'm not even thinking of that. It's a networking event. And I was going to try that, but then I got a little pushback, just a little pushback. And I thought, that's not really my vision anyway. So if I can find some guys with a blue group, I'm telling you, they can take the idea and have a blue group. In fact, I may. You know what? That's a good idea. I may talk to one of my male friends and go, hey, you want to do this? You want to host something? Yeah, let's talk about it for sure. Sure. 
Yeah. And you know what? And then again, that's not your vision and maybe that's not the lane. So that's why you got the pushback. But I think I'm still back on women. We need to evolve enough for that's yeah. not even part of your conversation. I wouldn't even yeah. think about that at all because I feel like what we have is strong. There's still a lot of work to do and a lot of women to inspire. And we're at the top of the hour. So I just want to thank you so much for your time. You had so many nuggets. A couple of things that stood out to me was you just had transformation on pivotal moments where you had to be who you were and forget about everyone else. I think that is so key. Like just do you and don't worry about everyone else. The pieces will fall together because ultimately you are enough. Just like you said, you are enough. I love the thought about women. We do more together. Yes, really do. So if you don't have really good sister circles, if you don't have people cheering for you and rooting for you, look in the mirror and do the work and make the shifts that make you a magnet to where great people want to be in your space and help you continue to reach your goals. I also loved how you talked about your husband and your spouse, just capturing every piece of you. That is so important for the people in our lives in general, but especially our partners to embrace all of us. I'm similar to you in a way. I have a very big personality. I can be subdued. I'm on the cusp of introvert and extrovert, but anyone who's in my life, if they tell me I'm doing too much or I am too much, they're not for me because anyone in my life has to just embrace (laughs) me in all of this. So (laughs) truly, and it's a ride. It's only my friends, I would say, they enjoy it. I know they do because they keep coming back for more. They enjoy it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So thank you so much for your words of wisdom. Please tell everyone what you got coming up. I know, like I mentioned, the cookbook. Mm-hmm. I'd see you with all your recipes and all your great food, but please <laughs> let everyone know where they can find you, where they can follow you, how they can support you. Perfect. It can be found at SharonWashington.com and that will break off into anything you want to look at. If you want to check out me professionally or my personal brand of the SW Life, where I talk about food, fashion, and fitness. That's my new project that I've shifted into the SW Life, my lifestyle brand. So the cookbook is one of many of the first things that I'm debuting. The next thing will be a podcast, the SW Life, where I'll talk all things SW, Sharon Washington. And this is actually my third book. So the cookbook not only offers recipes for cooking, it also offers marketing tips. So I try to make sure everything, because it's for the busy professional, I try to make sure everything gels very well. Um, Synergy. Synergy. (laughs) Exactly, right? Synergy. Alignment. That's my word for 2021. Alignment. Yes. Yes. Um, Yes. So SharonWashington.com. And they also can find me on IG at the SW Life. And just connect with me. Like, I'm really open to meeting new people every day. I'm not the type to be like, oh, yeah, follow me, check me. No, no. I'm more of a resource and a helper. So if you don't have that tribe yet or have you haven't found that tribe that kind of vibes with you, come vibe with me. Absolutely. And I can validate that. Sharon, thank you so much. I so appreciate you being in my space. I appreciate you being part of my sister circle, a woman that inspires me. I hope that your words have inspired our listeners and ladies. Like she said, if you haven't found your tribe or you're not following her, please do. And that's S-H-E-R-R-O-N Washington. Thank you so much for joining us at the Leader and Lover podcast. I'm Sharice Feigner, your host. And we look forward to talking to you on our next episode. Thank you.
Thanks for having me. You're welcome.